Good morning, everyone. We are at the end. This is the last sermon in my Promises to Remember series. This is my last message at Gwen Osmond. Probably goes without saying that this isn't the way that I wanted to be speaking to you this morning, but I take comfort from the words of Paul that said, even though I'm absent in person, I'm present with you in spirit, and I'm going to trust that the Spirit of God will speak to you this morning through his word. And then we'll do that, and you know, people will take communion and whatever else. I can't remember the verse. Good morning, everyone. We are and at the end. This is and the last sermon in my Promises to Remember series. Yeah. This is my last message at Gwen Osmond. Probably goes without saying that this isn't the way that I wanted to be speaking to you this morning, but I take comfort from the words of Paul that said, even though I'm absent yeah, I mean, it's a pretty person, I'm present with you. Pretty much jump to the end of the Spirit of God yes. so. will speak to you <laughs> this morning through His Word um, by His Spirit that He will speak. Do you with want to read verse three? We've been remembering God's promises. Uh, Good morning, everyone. We are at the end. This is the last sermon in my Promises to Remember series. This is my last message at Gwen Osmond. Probably goes without saying that this isn't the way that I wanted to be speaking to you this morning, but I take comfort from the words of Paul that said, even though I'm absent in person, I'm present with you in spirit, and I'm going to trust that the Spirit of God will speak to you this morning through his word, by his spirit, that he will speak with power. We've been remembering God's promises uh, that God will provide everything we need to do everything that he's called us to, that if we remain in Jesus, we will be fruitful. This morning, I want to kind of bring these promises together. Jesus empowers us. He uh, promises that if we're obedient to him, we'll bear fruit. They're awesome promises, but it kind of... uh, leaves a question that we need to grapple with. And it's the question of how. How do we bear fruit? What is it that Jesus is actually calling us to do that he'll give us everything we need to be able to do it? Let me read to you the final piece of the puzzle. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. How do we bear fruit? What does Jesus command us to do? He calls us to love one another. You, you can't actually make someone love someone else, but this is what Jesus 
commands of us, his disciples, love one another. If you remain in me, if you are loved by me, the outworking of that is that you will love those who I love. It's not about uh, having the right theology. It's not about following the right rules. It's not about being a well-organized machine of an organization. If you remain in Jesus, if you're obedient to Jesus, the outworking is that you will love. That's the goal. That's the way of Jesus. It's the how we do all the things that he's called us to. We love. God gives us his spirit so that we can love as he has loved us. God appoints us to be healthy and bear fruit by loving one another. Probably sounds a bit airy-fairy, so let's kind of work through what loving actually looks like in purpose. Because the truth is that the whole law, everything that Jesus taught, is summed up by this command to love one another. God is love. By love, Jesus came. Love covers a multitude of sins. So this morning, the promise that we're looking at is this. If you love one another, you'll remain in Jesus' love. You will fulfill God's goal and receive his promises. You'll, uh, he'll be in you by his spirit and you'll bear life and fruit. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. The goal and the way of following Jesus is the way of love. Wisdom, maturity, fruit is love. If you love one another, you will grow and you will be blessed. That's the promise. So um, let me talk to you a little bit about what it takes to love one another. First off, we have to remember the source. You can't love like Jesus by your own resources. If you try, you soon become exhausted and jaded and angry. Our love has a source. Love comes from God. The love that we express in the church and as Christians is meant to be an overflow of the love that God has lavished upon us. God is the inspiration. God is the source of our love. Before we can love others, we must know that we are fully loved by God. Jesus had an incredible way of demonstrating it, this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. We see in this passage that Jesus knew. Jesus knew who he was. He knew what his father had given him. He knew the father's love. And because of that, he loved the disciples, even 
to the point of death. I love how this passage shows both the source of Jesus' love, his love and authority that came from the Father, and the love that Jesus has for us, that he would wash the disciples' feet and go on and die for them. He demonstrated his love for us in this, that whilst we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. When Jesus talks about remaining in his love, a big element of that is about trust, relying on Jesus' love, just as Jesus relied on the Father's love. Remaining in Jesus' love means having the same relationship of love and trust that Jesus had with the Father. It's about knowing that we are loved by God, knowing that God is for us, not against us, that he's held nothing back, that he loves us fully and that we can rely on his love. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to doubt it. We can simply receive it and act upon it. We're empowered by God's love. And that knowledge gives us resources. It gives us joy, confidence, and an ability to sacrificially love others. The love of God is both our power and our aim. When we love, we both draw on and express God's love to the world, to our neighbour, but primarily to one another. We as Christians are called to try and love the world, but we're commanded to love one another. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. In one of his letters, John will go on to write this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That's how we should live, in the love of Jesus, expressing the love of Jesus by the power of the Spirit, especially to the church family. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's what love looks like, clothing ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Uh, I've spoken to a few pastor friends over the years and of all the issues that they deal with in churches, I like learning from the experience of other pastors The biggest problem that they have is this, that people are unkind. If we would simply choose kindness, it would go a long way 
to creating the kind of healthy, fruitful communities that Jesus intended us to be. As Joe says, love God and don't be a jerk. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13, with this description of love, this is how we should live as his people. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. That's what it looks like when we're inspired by Jesus to love like Jesus. Sounds a bit airy-fairy, sounds a bit altruistic and wishy-washy, but there's an important word in there. It's the word truth. Jesus lived love in truth. He lived out this kind of love in hard reality. His love wasn't some kind of wishy-washy love. It was a strong, robust, down-to-earth, truthful, uh, lived love that went head-to-head with sin and evil and overcame it. The love we're meant to have is the same. It's meant to be expressed right in the midst of hard reality, right in the midst of hard situations and hard relationships. In ordinary life, and amongst people like you and me. It's expressed in kindness and generosity and those lovey-dovey feelings, but it's also expressed in the hard rejection of truth and standing up for what is right. So you see Jesus doing this. He welcomed sinners and he ate with tax collectors and outcasts and said, let them come to me and don't hinder them. And at the same time, he rejected evil and pride and anything that was against God. He said to the Pharisees and the tax collectors, you brood of snakes, you unmarked graves, repent and turn back to God. To the woman caught in adultery, he said, I don't condemn you, but go and leave your life of sin. Jesus expressed incredible grace to his disciples alongside an equally high expectation of how they were to live and be holy. He said, be holy in the same way that I am holy. So the love of Jesus isn't about just lowering expectations and saying everyone's welcome, everyone gets a prize. He wasn't uncritically welcoming of everyone. But alongside his incredible grace that said to anyone, come, was a high vision. Uh, Come, so that you might learn from me and become holy and have the relationship with God that I have, that you might live in truth, that you might repent of evil and take hold of good. That's what I'm calling you to. Anyone can come, but if you come, this is where we're going. A friend of mine likes to call it a high invitation, come, and high challenge, be holy and learn from me how to be like me. It's easy to do one of those things. Uh, I can do one pretty easily, either set a really high bar and say, this is the expectation of God for you, or to love everyone and say, it doesn't matter who you are, just come. But Jesus consistently did both. 
And his expectation is that we as his disciples should do the same. When we remain in Jesus' love, we grow in Jesus' love. And this is the point that he wanted us to get to. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God loves us as his children, but he doesn't want us to be babies. His goal is maturity, that we would grow up and become like him and bear fruit. Maturity is about loving Jesus. It's about using our gifts in love. And a big part of it, according to this passage, is learning how to speak, to be able to speak the truth in love. Again, it's easy to do one of those, to speak without considering how it's received, to get involved in foolish arguments that don't edify, to be so worried about facts and opinions that we lose sight of the people that we're talking to. On the flip side, it's really easy to speak love that ignores reality, that makes everyone feel nice but avoids dealing with the issues that need to be dealt with. But the way of Jesus is high invitation, high challenge. It's about growth. It's about doing both those things. Encouragement and support to overcome sin and become a mature follower of Jesus. It's about humbly, kindly, graciously speaking the truth in love. It comes from wanting the best for others, not pulling your punches when you need to, not avoiding dealing with the relational and spiritual issues that are hurting and harming people, but also not whacking people over the head and giving them a burden that is too great to bear. Jesus was incredible at this. The rest of us are still learning. In my ministry, I tend to err on the side of love and I'm still learning how to healthily and directly confront and rebuke people in a way that they hear it. All of us here this morning are still learning. That's why we need to be a people of grace and forgiveness. We don't always get the balance right. Sometimes we stuff up one way or the other. Our hearts may be in the right place, but our skills can use a bit of work. In response to that, it's easy to give up and go back to the safety of not speaking the truth in love. But don't be discouraged. Be generous. Be kind. Serve one another and continue to speak the truth in love. Grow in this. Chase after it. And by his spirit, God promises to empower you. And if you keep at it, you'll grow in wisdom and maturity and fruit. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility 
Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Speaking the truth in love. In fact, loving like Jesus is about wanting the best for others. It's about putting your own interests to one side and trusting them to God and seeking to bless the people around you. If you do this, if you speak the truth in love, God will work powerfully in this place. Healthy churches love one another too much not to speak the truth in love. And as they practice that, as they grow in it, as they develop in it, as they forgive one another, as they're learning how to do it, they move towards Jesus and his fruitfulness. They practice holding on to Jesus and his commands and also holding on to sinners and being gracious with them. People like you and me who are still learning how to follow Jesus. Doing both of those things, holding on to the truth of Jesus, holding on to relationship with others, takes real wisdom. It's costly and it takes a lot to learn how to speak the truth in love. But it does come with the promise. If you love one another, you will remain in Jesus and bear fruit. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Jesus said, if any of you lacks wisdom, they should ask God who gives freely without finding fault. He said, if you ask, you will receive the spirit who will equip you for every good work. Jesus promised his peace and his love would be on us. His spirit has the power to transform and redeem our hearts and our minds. So let's ask him as we head into this new time, as I hand over leadership of this community. Let's pray for the church as a whole, but particularly for your leaders, that they'd be wise, that they'd be gracious, that they grow in wisdom and maturity so that they can speak the truth in love and that this community can grow up into all things uh, in Christ who is the head. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and your truth. I thank you that you deal with us, that you promise that you will be at work by your spirit, that as we seek you, we will find you, that your truth and your grace will go to work in our hearts and minds. And so we pray for the church community. We pray for each and every one here today. We pray for the whole church over the next year and into the future. We pray that as we face new challenges, we would be seeking your truth and your grace, that we would be speaking the truth in love, that we would grow and develop in our maturity and our ability to do these things. Lord, I pray for your protection over Glen Osmond. I pray that you would grant them with your grace. I pray your blessing, that you would give them a boldness to follow after you and to listen to your voice. I pray for wisdom, that they would trust and love your truth, that they would be gracious even as they chase after your vision for your people. May they put your promise to the test on this, that those who listen to you and are obedient to you will uh, find you and be blessed. I pray that they 
as a community would look to the interests of others. I pray that they would know your love deep in their bones and that they would trust your love enough to encourage and speak truth to each other and forgive whatever grievances they have with one another. Bring them to unity in your spirit so that the world might see your love and truth lived out in them, I pray, both now and into the future. Amen. Hope God has been speaking to you and encouraging you this morning. Maybe you've been convicted about something. Maybe there's something that you need to confront or need to forgive or something where you just need to encourage and bless someone. If so, don't wait. Jesus said, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come back and offer your gift. He also said, watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. If you do these things, God's love and life will live with you and you will grow up in maturity and fruit. So I pray that you trust these promises. I pray that you put them into practice this morning if you need to. And I pray that as God's spirit goes to work in you, you would learn more and more how to trust him, how to hold on to his truth and hold on to love and relationship with those around you. God bless you this morning. Uh, God willing, we'll be back to see you on the 20th to say farewell. I'm really looking forward to seeing you properly then. Until then, God bless and peace.